Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sideline Experts. This week on the podcast, Mitch and I are fortunate enough to be joined by a name on everybody's lips at the moment in Australian rugby, ACT Brumby's winger and tri-scoring machine, Tommy Wright. Tom, welcome to the podcast, hey? Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, now the fir- first things first, it'd be remiss of us sort of not to mention, but congratulations on re-signing with the Brumbies into 2021. Thanks, boys. Yeah, really exciting. Obviously, been a bit of a uh, bit of a strange time and in, mm. in general terms, obviously, for everyone at the moment. But, um, yeah, really fortunate and really grateful to obviously lock down another year here at the Brumbies. Obviously, really enjoyed the last two years. So, I thought no better way than to sort of put my head down for another year and continue to work hard. And it's mm. been sort of a massive few weeks for you boys, obviously, having come off a disappointing loss and then the bye. But more broadly speaking, you know, quite a successful season considering the Brumbies are sitting pretty at the top of the ladder. And, you know, prior to the lockdown, that's the way it was going with all the Super Rugby. You were killing it then too. How easy was it then to make that decision to continue your development down there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, was, it had been something that had sort of been on my mind for probably closer to the last between probably eight to 12 months, obviously wanting to wanting to stick around and even winding the clock back a little bit further towards the end of last year's season. Like we, we fell one short of the big dance, which was really, I mean, if you look at it from one perspective, it was a really good opportunity. I mean, I got to play teams from all around the world. Obviously falling short in Argentina was really disappointing, but for it to be my first season back in rugby, obviously, yeah, it was something that uh, gave me that taste of, of being part of something that was really successful too. That, that's obviously something that makes it a little bit more enjoyable. And yeah, as you touched on, like leading into this season where, where we were obviously got off to a pretty red hot start and uh, just before everything got sort of closed down and out of everyone's control. But yeah, it did make the decision a little bit easier knowing that sort of I'd been playing some pretty good football by, by my own admission, like, and I'm probably my harshest mm. marker. So yeah, definitely. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to, um, reviewing how I'm going and stuff. It, uh, it definitely makes it yeah, a little bit easier being on the end of a, a fair bit of some good play on the inside. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just had to put the, ball, put the ball over the line a couple of times, which is, which is always nice. And I sort of get, the re- get, get to reap the rewards of it with five points next to my name. But um, yeah, at the end of it, mate, I, obviously there's been a lot of shade thrown on the game and all that sort of stuff lately. But yep. I think people, people are quick to, quick to jump to all the bad stuff that you can be um, that can be said, but there's also a lot of good stuff that are happening in rugby at the moment too. So I'm hopefully wanting to be a part of that in the next couple of years. And um, yeah, that's sort of what also kept me in the game. Absolutely, mate. And is there anything you put these results down to, Tom? We've spoken a lot in recent times about the competition, both between teams for gold jerseys, but also within squads. How has this put pressure on players to perform? Because especially when you consider the talent in your squad alone, you've got Andy Muirhead, you've got Solomon Carter, Stack but also some line. of the players you've come up against. Yeah, Marika Korobiti, James Ram, Filippo Dalgunu. Um, what's that been like? And has that competitive environment been cause for some of your performances so far? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the competitive environment within our groups probably something that has probably got the best out of all of us. I dare say, like there's comp- there's competition across jersey one to fifteen, and then as you said, touching on now that the competition's gone, um, obviously just to a domestic style. Coming up against someone like you just touched on there, James Ram, for example, like him and I went to the same school, same year group, but right. Um, so co- coming full circle after five years, he he uh, he. Another one that uh, he's a late bloomer, for example. He, he didn't play in the first fifteen or anything at school, mate. He, he was a, he was always wow. a good footballer, but sort of sort of mm. took him a minute to probably find his feet. Gymnastics background, I saw too. Yeah, 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 mate. He was very. Uh, he's got it all, mate. And then the other <laughs> ones, um, not in my position so much, but coming up against Tom Horton, for example, again. Yep. So he, yeah. he was my. My hooker at school is well, captain and vice captain at yeah, school. Don't tell so people that outside coming, of rugby. 
Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Your hooker at school. He's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's um, yeah. But yeah, going back to sort of your, your actual question about the competitiveness, yeah. So with the domestic comp, mate, you're basically going up head to head, obviously competing for a gold jersey. Obviously, that that that's the that's what is probably at the top of everyone's individual list in terms of striving to be to play for their country. And um, yeah, it definitely makes it interesting. And obviously, there's only a limited amount of teams, so the short turnaround to potentially get one back up if you if you fall short in the game, you know, you're only going to come up against him in another couple of weeks, which is also exciting. And yeah, definitely. Um- before we, I was going to say, before we delve a bit deeper into the footy the Brumbies are playing at the moment, Tom, I was wondering if you could talk some of our listeners through your rugby story up until now, because it's quite an interesting one. Obviously, someone who's had a background in both codes. You were first player at St. Joey's at Hunters Hill, but you also spent some time, obviously, at Manly in the NRL, scoring a good amount of tries and your games played in that too, mate. Um, how did you make the decision to come across to rugby? And did you always know that Union was where you wanted to end up? Yeah, you sort of touched on it there. I uh, played, obviously, both growing up like many people do and something that never really leaned uh, further towards either or. Obviously, going to an all-boarding school where rugby was all we played there sort of pigeonholed me while I was playing at school anyway into that into the, into the rugby. And then, yeah, leaving school, there was um, a couple of options on the table for me. And at the time, I thought a full-time environment on a three-year deal going to Manly where there was obviously a lot of opportunity to, to sort of rub shoulders and learn off guys that I'd probably been watching on TV for the, yeah. for the past six or seven years was something that probably a little bit too good to pass up. So, mate, I'm really grateful for um, all the opportunities I got there. And obviously, I got to live out a dream and play a little bit of NRL um, in my third and final year there. And yeah, and then sort of at the end of that season, when, when I was looking at sort of my off-season, what I was up to, and I had got in contact with Dan and, and Pete Hewitt down here at the Brumbies. And yeah, just sort of had to just weigh out what I wanted to do. And uh, obviously... Probably didn't get to fulfil everything that I wanted to in rugby league, but uh, by no means am I unhappy with how I left the game or anything. I'm really happy with how everything, sort of how I transitioned across. And yeah, looking at it now, it was, uh, definitely wouldn't, wouldn't change anything. But yeah, the opportunity to come to the Brumbies was something that I was really interested in and really excited by, especially with the sort of calibre of players that they had here. And touched on when I was leaving school, getting to sort of potentially train and play with guys that I watch on TV for years. Uh, it was the same sort of attraction when the Brumbies were was an op- uh, opportunity that I could have taken up. So, yeah, very similar, mate. And, yeah, obviously, here I am today in my second and or towards the second uh, year of my contract with the Brumbies. And, yeah, couldn't be happier, mate. Obviously, uh, I'm looking to finish off the next few weeks and hopefully finish on top of the Super Rugby AU competition and then go into a grand final and hopefully take out the first uh, Super Rugby AU and uh, yeah. Yeah, see what happens after that. I think one of the really interesting things that we've sort of spoken about in the last few weeks is sort of the evolution of the Australian winger in the last few years. Seeing as, you know, we've had a couple of guys come across or come into the game that are really athletically gifted. Um, And probably 20 or 30 years ago, it was a real combination of that, Tom. It used to be that athletic player that also had that positional sense that could also kick, can also pass. And I think one of the things that we've noticed and spoken about in the last few weeks on this podcast is your ability to pop up all across the field and not just be a ball runner, but a ball player. And I know in rugby league, you sort of played a little bit of fullback, a little bit of six, a little bit of center. Has that sort of helped you transition into being able to do both roles there? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, obviously I played last year, especially at the Brums. I played a a fair bit in the centers too. So, Mm. um, gives me a bit bit of a sense of like a different perspective of the game, um, both playing from in the centers and out wide 
you get a little bit of respect of, of how hard the guys work in the middle when you're standing behind them at centre as opposed to standing 30 yards wider and just screaming at them for the ball out on the wing. But yeah, I think I think that was one of the things that I spoke to the staff about, about how um, I can uh, potentially obviously transition into wing this year and but still be a threat sort of through the middle of the field and pop up and sort of get a, a license to roam, I suppose, is the most common phrase yeah. that gets thrown around. But yeah, the staff here and were, like that was one of the things that they were probably most keen for me to do was, was not just hold the pain and sort of wait for it to come to me, but go try get involved through the middle of the field, try find tired defenders and yeah, obviously try do some ball playing in, in and amongst that. So yeah, I think you touched on the evolution of, of the winger, but I think that's just how the, 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 the game's gone. Potentially, like mm. yeah. if you just wait for the ball, you can you can potentially be waiting 81 minutes and it's too yeah. late. So if you if you got to wait for the game, yeah, you, you're potentially missing five or six opportunities. As opposed to if you go looking for it, you might you might get the ball in a couple of scenarios that you're not that keen on, but you got to you got to sort of see those out and hope for the ones that that you do kind of take and sort of reap the rewards from. Mm, definitely, definitely something I'm sure a lot of our listeners love to hear. Something I just want to hop back to you mentioned before how Peter Hewitt. And that impressive setup in the ACT really drew to the Brumbies. What's it been like under Keller down there? Because obviously there have been a renowned production line of some great qualities over the years. But how, how have you found the setup and high performance unit down at the Brumbies? Yeah, mate, second to none, to be honest with you. I mean, I've only, I can only compare it to places that I've been prior. And, uh, mm. But yeah, mate, top notch, really top notch. I think the staff are extremely committed and I think it helps that so sort of tossing in Laurie Fisher's name in there, mate. He's been yeah, around, of course. Um, the basically since <laughs> since day since day dot, mate. So to have someone who's got the history behind him too that Laurie does, and that's something that he's really passionate about. Just right next to that, in, in line with his passion about the history, but the, his passion for the game in general. You probably won't find anyone that watches more footage than him. I know he's probably he's he gets sort of niched into being a forwards coach, but mate, I go to him for most of my review and stuff too, just alongside Pete and Dan. Um, just to get his thoughts on stuff. And yeah, the the, the thing that draw, drew me to the club was their transitioning from the from the year before that I sort of came. They they got a lot of learnings out of that and wanted to sort of open up their game and play a little bit more expansive and use the ball a little bit more. So that was something that obviously drew me down. And um, yeah, ever since I've been here, mate, obviously the high-performance staff, uh, as I said, second to none. And yeah, I've been really happy with how everything's been. And um, yeah, it was sort of almost eye-opening for, for me coming back into the game yeah, of, of how professional everything is down here. I want to change the direction a little bit here and sort of talk about some of the big headlines in Rugby Australia at the moment. Uh, in particular, we saw that huge announcement from Rugby Australia in the last sort of week and a bit that regarding the broadcast package that has been taken to, to the broadcasters. And just a refresher for some of our listeners, the package involves a variety of forms of rugby. So test footy, a state of the union concept, uh, some sort of domestic or trans Tasman, sorry, professional league, as well as a, you know, a super eight champions cup sort of style environment with the best teams from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and possibly even South America and Japan, as well as a club championship shoot shield and hospital cup, as well as showcasing some of that schoolboy footy. So there's a lot of rugby there in that package, Tom. Um, one of the things I sort of want to chat to you about is that trans Tasman pro league, because that, that's something that we've had a couple of other guys on. So we had Harry Wilson on and he spoke about that desire to play the best teams in the world. Um, is that something that really attracts you to be part of this league that, you know, whether it's that super eight champions cup or that trans Tasman pro league, that, that competition with the best teams in the world, is that something that excites you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think you're probably playing the wrong sport if, if, you, if you don't want to be putting your hand, hand up and be playing the best teams in the world. Obviously, New Zealand have got the runs on the board at the moment to be to be headlining that and, and absolutely do they deserve that. So, But yeah, I think, mate, to be fair, I, I try to keep my head out of it as much as possible just yep. because it stresses us players out more than anything. Because <laughs> um, half, half the things on there, yeah, half the things on there, um, more often than not, probably uh, favouring uh, the not true side of things. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah just, to, just to narrow in on your question, mate, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you said Harry Wilson, now, I'll just echo what he, whatever he said basically in terms of <laughs> Um, don't get us wrong like we love playing each other and um, the five franchise system at the moment in, in consideration with everything that's going on in the world um, has been a, like we love we love playing don't get us wrong we'd, we'd yep. play down the local field if it meant um, yeah. just getting us game time so <laughs> yeah for, for whenever things get sorted out for next year we absolutely want to be playing top level competition that we can be so whether it be involving people outside of Oz New Zealand then even better for us so we get to, we get to see and get to play uh, people from different places, and, and that, that's exciting for us too as players. So, yeah, I, I think uh, the media probably stresses it out a little bit more than what it needs um, to be for from a player's perspective. But uh, yeah. we're pretty confident that it will sort itself, and um, yeah, people get paid good money to sort that stuff out. So yeah. I'm sure it'll get done. <laughs> I think one of the really exciting concepts is that state of the union, so that state of origin type mm. game for rugby union, particularly the idea has sort of been floated that maybe we can even have some of the best in the world talent to come back and play. So you're Sean McMahon's, your Isaac Rodders who are playing overseas and, and bringing them back in. Would that excite you to, you know, be playing against Michael Hooper one week at the Tars and then playing with him the next, you yourself as a New South Welshman? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think that'd be awesome for the game. I think, uh, as you said, like it'll all be included and maybe we can, we can sit here and say we'd love to play it as much as we want, but I think as players, like every game, we want to be part of every game just about, you know. So for me to be able to potentially go up against someone like Slips down here, mate, I'd love to try and get him at the bottom of a ruck and rough him up. Cause <laughs> that's, all, that's, what, that's what he does to me all week. So uh, if I could get one, Dark I could get one up on him, I, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to get one up on the old fella. Hey, uh, and Mitch, <laughs> I understand you, you've got some sort of strong thoughts about the domestic versus trans-Tasman component, which has been put forward. Sort of give us your thoughts on that and, and where that can yeah. go. Yeah, I, I definitely back Tom and him saying you want to be playing the best around. Um, I think the good thing about this whole package is it, it really puts a lot of things up in the air and maybe streamlines them, streamlines them in a way that it hasn't been like before. So I think the fact that we've, the Super 8's been put forward is awesome in that we can elevate it from that level of, like, just to get out there, I'm, I'm definitely a proponent of, streamline it from that domestic base to that super eight where you test the best, then you get that international competition. Um, particularly because my biggest worry with the trans Tasman is that doubling up the, the, the ambiguity of you've decided the best in the Tasman, then the best in the Southern hemisphere. It's like, maybe we could make it simpler where it's, we decide the best here, go to the super eight. And the beauty of it is that for me, it'll correct a lot of the mistakes with the incumbent super rugby we've got at the moment. At the moment, super rugby kind of conflates the idea of treating a Southern Hemisphere championship as though it's an ordinary league. And I think the worry with that is it sometimes overplays the novelty of that international competition and it, it doesn't guarantee that level of success. Like even if we just have a small domestic component beforehand, you're at least guaranteeing that there's some success in the Australian rugby market each year. There's always going to be some happy campers around like, oh, yes, West Brisbane or help Queensland or whatever the team you support 
one and there's one enclave of rugby supporters here that are going to be pleased. But I, I definitely back that idea. There needs to be that international component. That's why I think it's awesome that we're looking a bit at Europe's playbook. When we're doing that, we'll have a league, but then it elevates to this championship structure. Um, I, I think there's also the interest too, and I don't know about you boys, but the fact that there hasn't been, and obviously there would be a little bit with Super 8, but the fact there hasn't been uh, any meaningful international competition for a while has kind of added a lot of interest to whatever the Bledisloe will be. So I, I'm really, I'm really, I think it, you'd have to agree, it's the first time in a while we've really seen Rugby Australia on such an assertive front foot with some really proactive ideas. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is finding that balance. I think Tom spoke about that before. Finding the balance between, you know, the broadcast deal in terms of, you know, smarter people than us generating some revenue for the mm. game and then making sure that the competition is as good as we can get for our professional players because, let's be real, we want the Wallabies mm. to win. That's, that's the pinnacle of our game here in Australia. And if we can, you know, make our players as good as they can be, well... That's the best option for us. Now, I want to draw our attention towards this week's clashes. We start things off on Friday night with the Reds heading down the highway to the Gold Coast for what essentially will be a de facto home game against the Western Force who have made the coast their temporary home. Tom, you've seen both these teams in actions over the past few weeks. Who are you backing in this one, mate? Well, I think the force have been extremely unlucky, like especially really yeah. early on, man. Like, Nuts. like I know that they're not seeing much on the on the the table at the moment, but it probably doesn't translate to some of the footy they've played. They've, they've stressed a lot of teams. They had us under the pump um, a couple mm. for a, for a good probably twenty minute block there when we played them at Leichhardt. But yeah, I think part of that thing around uh, you you just touched on that it's it's basically a red team game. I don't know that that'll treat either team too much in the, in either side's favour. I know that the Reds might have to travel probably what an hour or so to the Gold Coast, yeah. or if yeah. that. But um, the Force have been pretty settled there now for a while, which yeah. mate, it honestly is a toss up because the Reds the Reds really love to play edge to edge and sort of like to get you sort of getting a little bit of free flowing footy. They love they love breaking tackles, offload out the back, and and try to sting you off that. But the Force also got a really pretty uh, cl- clinical kicking game, and they can kick you around the park pretty pretty easily. Um, John O'Lance obviously plays pretty flat at the line. So I really do think the force can come away with one, to be fair with you. I think, as I said, they've been pretty unlucky. Like They stretched the Tars a little bit last week and uh, you know got it picked off on a couple intercepts and a couple long-range mm. tries off, off, a, off a few bounces of the ball. So, yep. um, yeah, my, my force is the tip. Uh, my tip is the force. <laughs> Your force is the tip. Now, we were speaking with Byron Rousen and he was saying very similar to you. He, obviously, he's been playing on the wing out there. And, um, you know, they're quite disciplined in their systems. And I think that, you know, Reds came off the back of a massive defensive performance and that kicking game could really force the Reds back into another defensive fixture. So I think I'm, I'm going the force on this one. What about you, Mitch? I'm going to be the devil's advocate here, boys. I'm going to, I'm going to say the Reds um, purely because I, I like that for the first time in a while we've got a largely unchanged starting 15 apart from um josh fluke coming in at 13 i think that it'll be a forwards game but the what what will come into the favor of the force i reckon so i regardless i think it's going to be a tight one um it's a quick track down at rabina when it's when you know short it looks like a a lawn bowls pitch so the outside backs are going to come into it big time um particularly strawn and byron rolston who put in an awesome performance last week against the Tars, but also in that super time game against the Rebels. So um, 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight one. I think the Reds might just edge it, though. I, I'd, I'd like to see what Jordi Patea does with a bit more ball in his hand, in particular. If they can bring him into it, it could be lethal. And the uh, the second game this weekend is easily sort of the showpiece event for Australian rugby this round. We have New South Wales travelling down to uh, to take on the Brumbies in Canberra. Uh, Mitch, who's your pick in this one before we head over to Tom? I wonder who he's going to pick. Look, as a, yeah, some, no surprises there. Um, as a Queenslander, though, I'm just licking my lips. This is this is going to be great to watch two of the old enemies hopefully put together a, a physical contest. Um, the Tars have just warmed into this season well. It's in Canberra, isn't it, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm back in. I'm back in the Brums to take this one. I I reckon that you guys have just come off the bye, and I, if if the season so far is anything to go by, I don't see coming off a, going from a loss into a bye being anything less than unsettling to that attitude. You guys are going to want to hit the ground running. Um, yeah, it'll be massive, but the Tars, I think it'll be close, whatever it is. But if, if the Brums can make it 3-0 this year against New South Wales, no doubt Canberra will have a few happy campers. And it's no surprise who you're backing to win this one, Tom. But how have the preparations been this week, especially coming off a bye in leading into this big clash? Yeah, I think obviously with a bye gives gives a few sore sore bodies a little bit of time uh, or a little bit of extra time, pardon me, just to freshen up and um, get a few niggles right. But I think I think the loss did us a little bit of good, mate. To be fair with you, um, we'd we'd probably just been uh, coming. Well, we we had come away with two extremely close losses that both sides had almost probably deserved to win until until what just until the last minute there, basically against yeah. the Reds, and then um, not too many minutes just before that against the Tars, but. Uh, mate, we we probably know within ourselves that that we haven't been playing near to our not near to what we like to be. Like every week we're coming in and doing our review and um, saying why aren't we taking this or why aren't we doing this? And mate, we we really want to, especially being back at home this week, um, play to what we play to what we know we can do. So yeah, I think as I said, like a loss into a buy gives us a lot of time to freshen up, but to get a lot of things right too in terms of in terms of how we want to play and. Uh, what we want to do. So guys had a little bit of extra time to uh, to individually work on a couple of things um, skill-wise and that, which is always going to obviously, hopefully, uh, give us a little bit of an edge on Saturday. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that, yeah, we're, we're on for a dry night, hopefully. I, I hear it's going to be cold. So hopefully the Tars boys have got their compression. No surprise. And, mate. You wouldn't yeah. read about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I'd say is it, it's exciting to see Qatar shift into... 13 obviously he's power packed and he's sort of struggled last few weeks to get his hands on the ball but when he does he's, he's so lethal and Lenny Cattell on the bench I'm really excited to see him get another run around as well yeah definitely the the two of them combined mate they're, they're very similar obviously Len, Len's a little bit uh, a little bit smaller but by no means small just soul, yeah. soul standing out there yeah uh, as you said yeah built low to the ground and uh, run over anything, but yeah, I'm excited Big to see how goes. A li- yeah, a little bit closer <laughs> to the ball. So hopefully, hopefully on a dry track, a little bit of early ball to him and see see what he can do and light up the field. Yeah, it speaks a bit to that depth you were discussing before too, Tom. The fact that you can call on guys like Lockie McCaffrey. The fact that you've got players of that caliber who've been playing on the bench the last week. And then you've got Ryan Lonergan coming in. Um, Carter moving to 13. There's just depth in spades. But I'd be interested to know. Surely there'll be a few words between you. Opposite number on the weekend, James Ram being a school schoolmate. Yeah, I have a little bit to say to him, but I think he might be hiding <laughs> over on the other wing. I think he's oh, he had been in, in recent weeks. He'd be playing on the left as well, but mate, he's uh, been in, in real good form the last couple of weeks. Especially, he's, he's had that hot hand. So, 
Um, yeah, anything I can do to try to get under his skin, I will be. Don't worry. <laughs> Bit of the James Slipper treatment, mate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, we're going to finish with the fast five. So we're just going to ask you f- five questions related to Canberra and your footy. Where's your favourite spot for a beer in Canberra? Oh, probably don't. I probably couldn't go past the ruck, mate. Um, in turn, the boy, the little bowls club there. The boy, the boys like going for a beer there, and yeah, they put they take care of us when we're down there usually. So um, yeah, Hands it's always not in the too ruck. big of a joint. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, favourite thing to get up to in your downtime? Oh, mate, when it's when it's this cold in winter, mate, most of the boys just go home and all. Get on the PlayStation and just still talk to the boys that we were just having oh, with. Yep. And yeah. uh, funniest teammate? Oh, honestly, that's a toss-up between James Slipper and you wouldn't believe it, but Tavita as well. Tavita's pretty Karen funny. Johnny. There you go. Yeah. You wouldn't that's pick awesome. it, but man, he, he, he'll have me in stitches. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's your favourite position? Obviously, you've played a few now. Yeah, mate, to be, I'm really enjoying wing at the moment. Spoke about just the roaming role and that that I get. Yep. So, mm. um, yeah, hopefully hopefully can continue what I've been up to and, uh, yeah, keep getting better with it. And uh, who from the Brumbies should we get on the podcast next? Um, hmm. Just trying to think who'd give you something that's not too cliche. But I reckon <laughs> someone that you'd, that, you'd, that you'd really enjoy having on is uh, is someone like Andy Muirhead. He, he's a real, like, he'll, he'll give you... Um, he's real he's from Brizzy, he's a real boy opinion. too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's um, he's someone that uh, I've got. I've been getting real uh, since I got here. He's someone that I've grown real close to, and yeah, I think someone like him probably in the next month or within the next month, I think you'd love to have on, mate. If you can get him on, I'll put a word in for you too. Yeah, might have to. Yeah, yourself. thanks very much. <laughs> All right, Tom, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, mate, and thanks for joining us this week. And best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. And that's Cheers, it for Go us on, here on the sideline experts. Mitch and I signing out. Holy tomorrow. Um, yeah, good. Bloody, uh, you beauty.